What we do here is go back, 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 back. You are listening to the It's Not About You podcast by Felicia Baird. This is a lifestyle podcast where we talk all things business, self-love, spirituality, and how people are giving back to the communities around them and building them up all at the same time. Each week, we have real, raw, honest conversations with inspiring people who are doing really cool things, expanding us, growing us, and making us realize we're pretty friggin' amazing. And we have everything inside of us that we need to do really cool things too. I'm your host, Felicia Baird. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to the It's Not About You podcast. This is season two, episode two. I just wanted to say that there has been an overwhelming amount of support from the first episode. It is insane how many people reached out to me and it means so, so much that it resonated with so many people. I just started talking from my heart and just started saying the things that I needed to say. And I feel like you can expect a lot of that from season two of this podcast, just being a lot more vulnerable and a lot more open about things that I'm going through. And I hope that it motivates and inspire others to be more open about their stories as well and just be more real with themselves and realize that, you know, what we're all going through is similar stuff. And if I can help just even the smallest amount of people go through stuff in their life in an easier manner, then I'm a happy camper. Um, I am currently working on the road. So I have me and my little microphone. And we are in Georgia. And right now it is declared a state of emergency. The last couple of days has been, have been kind of crazy. Um, Basically, we would get situated in a hotel and then this hurricane warning would happen. And then we would just drive because that city or that state was being like in an evacuation. So it's been a little bit crazy. And my hotel is borderline nice. So if you hear anything, I apologize. I can't help the people in the surroundings around me. It's kind of one of those, it's a nice hotel, but it's backed up onto a parking lot. So if you hear anyone driving around, there is a bunch of bikers that like to be out about around this time. So just bear with me. So on the note of wanting people to feel more relatable, I've started a new Love Yourself series on my Instagram that I think you guys should go check out if you're not already following me. I basically post stories of people who've struggled with an aspect of their self that they hated for a while. So whether it's something about looks, personality, something that they needed to come to terms with. And then my goal is just for people to read it and feel like they're not alone. I just feel like Instagram can be pretty oversaturated and fake, I guess, and people aren't real enough. So with this mentality, it's easy to compare yourself to others and judge yourself more and feel like you're not on the right path or that everyone's life is perfect and yours isn't. It's easy to be caught up in those feelings. I've been caught up in those feelings. I mean, even this summer, I was like, oh my God, you've been through major heartbreak too, or you've been, you've had a major smackdown that made you sad for three weeks. Like I just, that was what kind of what inspired this to happen. I mean, it's it's been on my mind for a while, but it's just, if we can just break down people's situations in a more relatable way, people won't feel so alone. That's my hope. So 
If you want to go check out some stories, I just started this week, but I'm going to be posting three every Monday. Um, So if you want to go check them out and you're not already following me on Instagram, then go to my Instagram at byfeliciabaird, B-Y-F-E-L-I-C-I-A-B-A-I-R-D and show it some love. Show these people some love. And if you have a story and you want to be on it, shoot me a message. My email's on there or just DM me and I will direct you direct you to my email and we can have a chat. I love hearing from you guys. Nothing makes me happier after doing all of these things. So go check it out. So today on our podcast, first guest for season two, we are talking with one of the founders from Boot Camps for Change, which is an organization based in Toronto, but it's everywhere in Canada that raises money for homeless youth and homelessness in general in Canada and the homeless crisis that we're dealing with. She explains the organization way better, but we basically get to the root of why she started it. She's brilliant. She's a light. Her name is Katie. I haven't even said her name yet. Her name is Katie. And she's Honestly, I've learned so much having a chat with her about the things that she wants to accomplish and the things that she's already accomplished. The fact that we get to pick her brain for the next 45 minutes, like it's insane. She has no fear. She sees the bigger picture and she takes very conscious, intuitive steps to make sure her goal is reached. So she grew up in a household that gives back. And so she's already had that programmed into her mind, which feel like a lot of people maybe didn't have that privilege of learning what it feels like to give back. She's been helping in homeless shelters ever since she was 12. And she did that when she was going through a mental illness. That's kind of how the world works, right? And it kind of puts it in perspective in order to, sometimes in order to make you feel more uplifted, it's by helping other people. So going through the process, but then helping other people at the same time and realize that you're not the only person going through stuff sometimes just spreading that positive energy and spreading those good vibes is all you need to do to kind of overcome your situation. Now, I'm not saying that that it's as simple as that and you should definitely seek help if you can. But for Katie's situation, she understood even at the age of 12, what you put out comes back to you tenfold. She actually gives the best tips and tricks for someone looking to start something bigger than them. I've listened to this podcast about four times already. She's relatable. She's fearless. She's on a mission and someone who's changing the world and enjoying the process at the same time. We dive super deep into this conversation. Katie is super vulnerable about her process and she doesn't hold back on her thought process um, of once thinking that this mission was way bigger than her. I think we've all been in that situation. Every small step counts. So we break that down and we talk about some of her fears while starting this some of her judgments that she's gotten. It was just such a great interview. And I hope that you guys enjoyed the podcast too. So her name's Katie. It's Boot Camps for Change. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Love you guys. So Boot Camps for Change, essentially we facilitate weekly fitness programs. So myself, I'm a fitness instructor, but we'll also send in other instructors around the city to go into the shelters in Toronto. Um, And then our other half is kind of, we host these fitness fundraising parties that connect a lot of like-minded people and brands. So we have kind of two faucets going on. We're in Toronto, Waterloo, and Halifax right now, but I definitely want to see the in-shelter programs everywhere. And what made you start this? Oh, so (laughs) it's a little bit, I've always wanted to do something to impact homeless youth because 
I've been working with homeless youth since I was 12. Oh, wow. But what really pushed me, yes, so I, I have a little bit of a unique situation because I have a lot of experience with the population that we work with, but specifically boot camps for change and health and wellness and really implementing these programs affecting their physical, mental health and resilience was, I was actually volunteering, I still do, for Trek for Teens Foundation. Uh, I started when I was started university, so about three and a half years ago. What foundation and, is it? Oh, Check for Teens Foundation. Check for Teens. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was. it's a really great foundation. They do work all around the city. But I was doing research for my boss at the foundation, and I saw on the Horizons for Youth website that their wellness program had been cut. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting to look further into. So I actually just reached out and pitched myself and said, hey, can I... Uh, come in and teach the kids a class. And if they like it, would you have me back? And they did. And then the rest is history. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you just like reached out, you cold emailed. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely think I had a few advantages. Uh, I am a huge advocate for doing cold reach outs, but I mean, because of my extensive experience, I was able to kind of sell myself and actually, at that time, I was taking Homelessness in Canadian Society, which is a class at Ryerson, and I was able to kind of pitch that and requested that I would use their case as my school project. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like, it was like a warm, cold pitch, meaning I did have a lot of advantages uh, with my background. So they, they accepted. I have my vulnerable sucker check and all that. So they allowed me to come in and I got the youth really excited and they were like, yeah. And I said, can I do this every week? <laughs> and then that's, that's how it kind of got started. Like the actual raw form of boot camps for change was uh, just me doing a cold reach out. Yeah. Um, let's rewind. So why, why did your you know life path have you working with homeless youth since you were 12? Oh, um, so when I was 12, unfortunately, I was dealing with a mental illness. So my family friend, and who is still, uh, she lives in the house that I grew up in in London, uh, beside us. And, you know, she kind of just reached out to me. She works in a shelter. And she was like, hey, Katie, I think maybe uh, to make you feel better, you should come volunteer in the shelter, come check it out. And it's interesting because just like many people in Toronto and you know, other places as well. I was a little bit nervous. Not only was I a kid and going into a new experience, but I've always been kind of adventurous. It wasn't really that. It was, oh my goodness, what's going to be in the shelter? Is it going to be drugs, alcohol? Like, am I going to see violence? Am I going to see physical fights? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I just jumped in and I went in. I've never wanted to turn down a new experience. And I connected so well with a nine-year-old boy. What did your parents think? (laughs) Oh, oh, they're totally, they're totally fine with it. They've always been advocates for giving back in every, every single way. Amazing. It was definitely just like my subconscious bias. You know, what I've seen, the actual visible homelessness is what a lot of people think is all it is, but it can really be people couch surfing and youth are very, uh, they're very resourceful. So you will rarely see youth on the street which is actually a scary thought because we see a lot of people on the streets in Toronto. It's actually uh, 2,000 up to 2,000 youth a night Wow, uh, that are on the street in the GTA area. So they're very resourceful. So they can hide. But um, so the perception is based on the media and what we see. 
So I was nervous, but I connected so well with a nine-year-old boy that I realized, you know, we have a lot more in common than I thought. It's just the roof over our head. You know, he was such a sweet, sweet boy. And I was asking him questions like, what do you like to do after school? And he's like, well, I would like to, you know, play soccer, play hockey, go see my friends, but I can't really do those things because, you know, I'm, I'm living here. It was a women's and children's shelter the first time uh, I volunteered with them. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's yeah. really eye-opening. Oh, 100%. And, you know, the stereotypes, the stigma is, the stigma is, you know, it's what causes a lot of the issues with the youth self-confidence. They kind of self-stigmatize. So uh, the most painful thing that I can hear you say is, this is all my life is going to be and never going to be anything else. Mm-hmm. And that is what really breaks me up because no matter what they've been through, it's, you know, how they see themselves and how they can see their lives moving forward. That is key. And, you know, having them build their confidence and, and all that and take the next steps in their lives, especially the 16 to 24 age group that I work with. So when they say that, it is based on a stigma, it's based on how other people look at them. People don't see them as having a value and they feel that themselves. So that is the most uh, painful thing to hear for sure. Yeah, that would be painful because I mean, that already is such a hard age. <laughs> um and throwing in that factor for sure, that would be so devastating to hear for sure. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the basis of the health. So like I went through my mental illness with my body image. So I suffered with an eating disorder. And the number one thing for me was imagine going through the eating disorder without a roof over your head. So I had all the support and I had like, you know, I saw nutrition people and I had those resources, but imagine taking that all away. So I think it should be accessible for everyone. That was like my number one thing. So when I saw that and I was a certified boot camp instructor, I was like, oh my God, this is me. I don't want to wait for a program, another program to take care of it. I want to do it myself. So that's what the actual inspiration was, like the raw form. Mm-hmm. So then from there, like what were your steps to to do it yourself, like to take that into your own hands? So I reached out to them and then in, I knew we needed money somehow, some way. So I'm actually on the Jay's Care Foundation uh, Young Professional Committee. So I said, okay, I need some practice, you know, raising money and raising awareness for these issues. So I kind of reached out to my contact at Jay's Care Foundation and then they gave me a toolkit for how to develop these kind of events and how to make them successful. So I just kind of winged the first one <laughs> in June of last year. So we started in June, 2017. And a few Sportsnet anchors, they blasted it, which is really nice because of the affiliation with Jay's Care. Mm-hmm. But it was mostly my supportive friends and family. And then last time I went away for a few weeks, I went traveling and I really thought about how I wanted to structure it. That was awesome. I knew I wanted to do something and you shouldn't wait too long before you do it. But I took like a few weeks, figured it out. September, I used my LinkedIn. I'm obsessed with LinkedIn. They actually asked me to upgrade to a recruiter because (laughs) the amount of time that I'm on it, they're like, this girl is used to upgrade a premium. Uh, What what do you do on LinkedIn? You just reach out to companies? 
Yes. So I reached out to companies for support, but then also I reached out to, so I cross-searched personal trainers and I asked them to get involved. So I asked them to use their social media reach. And then I also looked for a variety of people in marketing. And then I started just posting ads. Like I just posted, I just created HR posting. Of course, you know, it's not paid. It was all volunteer, but I had a lot of amazing responses, especially after the first event. And a lot of people reached out and they said, I see your vision because I was all about focusing on the vision uh, and what I want to build versus, um, you know, what I'm seeing right now and what the youth really need. And I kind of put that in the job application. So what I want to see in the future. And I think that's what caused people to respond to it so well. So it's super cool. Yeah. I mean, it oh, sounds yeah. like you were really resourceful and and ambitious in getting this message out. Oh, 100%. Well, you know, the issue is not visible, which is unfortunate or uh, fortunate, depending on how you look at it. But a lot of people think the issue is being taken care of, like it's taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, um, shelters, they're they're great for this age. Then after this age, so 16 to 24, the need is completely rendered, uh, the unmet need is rendered invisible and there's no longer resources within the shelter for them anymore. It's more, you're 100% on your own now. So, and when you're going through a lot of challenges, I do really believe in the social support. So this kind of fitness, you know, with the instructor and the youth, but also the youth, they connect as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, that would be amazing. And did you ever have a feeling of when you're like, this is it, I'm going to take this into my own hands. Did you ever think like, okay, this is actually bigger than me. And I don't know if I'm the person that can play this out. Oh, hundred percent after the first event, because the first event in June, 2017, I organized it all by myself. And I didn't know what I didn't know. So, you know, I'm a very resourceful and creative person. I love team collaboration. I'm definitely more on the leader side. So I I do like to um, maybe take charge in the vision, but I won't know the deliverables to get there. So I can put out the objectives. So say I tell my team, you know, I want 15% more engagement by this time next month. I know my weaknesses and my strengths, and I knew that I couldn't do this on my own. But once I had a team, I, I'm confident. Like I want to touch youth in every single province in Canada. And I think, you know, if we really explain to people and just remind them that these youth, it's their prime age and we need to believe in them, we can get people on board to whether it's volunteering their time or even just sharing the message on Instagram, like that is just as value. The the, the power of social media um, to work this cause has been phenomenal. And so if social media didn't exist, we would have been handing out flyers. I don't think that would have gotten the message across as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's how I found you is through social media and through Angeline. <laughs> oh, yes. And I love Angeline so much. She's amazing. I know. She's so great. <laughs> Um, she yes. invited me to your like football launch thing, but I'm like on the road through the States right now. So for like what I do, so I, I'm gone for the whole month and I was sad. I was like, I'm sad. I'm missing this. I want to be part of it so bad. I know. Cause I actually missed it as well. She, yes, she was invited to the NFL launch party and she sent the invitation to all of us. And 
yeah, unfortunately I had another commitment. I couldn't make it. I was also very uh, disappointed, but there's going to be a lot more football games. Don't worry. Sunday night football if you're into that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm like in it right now. I'm in like North Carolina and I'm going to be going to Michigan and I'm, I've been told that I'm, I'm coming at the worst time because worst and best time because it's like their football launch this month. So, (laughs) um, yeah, I work in TV. So it's like, that is actually going to be the, a nightmare for my job, but it's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be fun personally. Oh, yeah. Yes, you, you, yes, you'll have a really good time, but you, it, it might be one of those trips where you're exhausted after. Like, you know, those rejuvenation trips and you come home and you're like, yes, I feel rejuvenated. That will not be this trip. No, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> like you need a vacation from a vacation sometimes. I for sure. Yeah, I'm going to come back and just like not work for a month. and going to be like, you know what? Just don't call me. <laughs> Yes. Yes. I am totally going off the grid. This is my rejuvenation vacation. Yeah. Um, so do you do this full time? Is this uh is this a hundred percent what you do is focus on this? No, I, uh, I actually do quite a few things. I'm well, I'm full time at Ryerson right now. So nutrition and food. Uh, yeah. Wow. So (laughs) the power of the team building, because yeah, I definitely couldn't do this all on my own the way that I see it. I, uh, could do it half-heartedly maybe, but if I really wanted to, you know, the way that I see it and the impact that I actually want to have, that's why I definitely uh, need and love having my team. But um, school also fuels me. It weirdly motivates me. And my friends do call me out sometimes uh, in class because I am on boot camps for change, my boot camps change emails. <laughs> No. So they call me out. They say, turn that off. Like you said that you're going to be focusing on class. So it definitely is my passion. I'm always all over it, but, um, I balanced that. And then, you know, I was doing personal training for a while, but I am taking a brief, uh, step back from that to focus more on interview prep and resume editing and cover letter writing. That's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yeah. Do you mind? Yeah, not, not myself. <laughs> Not of myself. I know it sounds so weird, but um, I was editing all of my friends' resumes. Like they were sending and helping them apply for jobs. And then once my friend was like, you should charge for this. And I just started charging for it. And then it became my job. (laughs) Oh my God. You are so resourceful. I need to like have you around (laughs) me at all times. I feel like I just like have these ideas and then I'm like, meh. (laughs) No, you just have to jump, honestly, because at the end of the day, the worst thing that happens is, mm, I don't know, you you don't get as many clients as you thought. Or if you're not putting, like obviously for certain like business ventures, if you're fronting a lot of capital, that's a whole different story. But if it's like something that is just starting as a passion project, just go for it. And, you know, I'm a huge believer in planning, but also not being scared when things kind of change. Because I mean, I, as long as the vision is there, there are multiple ways to get to it. And no one is right or wrong, but as long as you're still hitting that vision. And I think every single business, I, and I hope to see this in 10 years, will have some sort of corporate social responsibility with employees actually involved. So yes. not actually just going to a site for one day. I want, I want to help companies kind of build corporate social responsibility in a way that they create their own impact and their own programs and what they see versus just, you know, obviously it's team building to take uh, your employees with their employer for 
you know, a day and you volunteer at a site somewhere else and it's team building the day of, but then how can that be continued? Like you can continue discussion when you come back to the workplace and talk about, you know, the advantages of that program and the disadvantages and how they can bridge the gap and fix those disadvantages. But there's nothing more powerful than creating your own program, especially if, you know, you're personally, your feet are in, you really do feel the passion because it's affected you in some way or another, which fitness has. So my passion is just drive like 500 forward. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I totally believe that too. Like I was trying to explain it to someone that, that companies that base their business model around giving back, I feel is the way to do it now. And it's the way of the future. And it's the way that you're going to get people on board to do, um, you know, to buy your product, to, to sponsor you to anything like that, because we just need it. I feel like it's our responsibility as a, as humans to give back when we can. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And people are willing to pay more for a product if they know it's going for a good cause. So whether that's an event, um, we do charge market value on the high side. So like we charge the same for like a berries class. So that is like a high-end class. So at the same time, it may be unaffordable to some. So we always say, hey, if you can't afford the ticket, please let us know and you can pay what you can. That is always something that I've advocated for because if boot camps for change is all about removing barriers, who are we to put up financial barriers to even come support us? And I know that's a little bit, that may sound a little bit weird. And a lot of people ask me, they say, how do you always fill the room? <laughs> They're like, how are, how are your events always sold out? How have you always gotten so many people out? And I say, part of it is because at the end of that little email, it says, if you want to come out to our events and you can't afford, please reach out and don't be shy. It's always 100% confidential. So it's not like we're checking people in and then there's discussion between two team members where other people can hear saying, oh, uh, discount ticket. Like we won't, like if people want to come and they have to pay less in order to come, we totally accommodate that. Yeah. And I just want to say that because I've actually never said that publicly. It's always just been an email. So um, I've always wanted to put that out there so that they can enjoy the vibes and the benefits and just meeting everyone because coming off of those events, I'm coming off of a high. For sure. Of just the positivity in the room. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you started doing these events, I mean, you sound like someone who you're just going to put your message out there and you, you hope that people will get on board, but you don't seem to care if like someone isn't. Um, but what was the fear like? Like, how did that, did, did you ever just think, oh, like, I can't, <laughs> like for someone who wants to start something big um, and obviously needs to start small, the fear is in it for sure. Just being like, well, like I, there's so many events already in Toronto or there's so many events online or are, there's so many people doing it already. Like what makes my message stand out? What would you say to that person? Well, I would say if you have to start small, don't be scared of starting small. Like the vision can be big, but it doesn't have to be zero to hundred right away. Like you don't have to have a sellout event with a hundred people the mm-hmm. first time you do it. I would say consulting with industry professionals is the number one reason why we've done so well. And also because, you know, if you're scared, don't be scared to reach out, cold reach out. But I know that's easier said than done. If you're nervous, 
to reach out to someone that you think could help you overcome your fear, find common ground between you two, because that is just so authentic. So for instance, if you notice an entrepreneur has gone through something that you have, or you grew up in the same city, or you really, really, really like that uh, vacation spot that they went to last year, start opening up with that. Don't even make it about a professional dialogue right away. If you are, because I do feel like the people that I've met through this have allowed me to overcome any sort of fear or doubt that I have in my mind. Because when they do come out and they do meet me or they speak with, uh, it was a moment uh, in April where one of the youth actually came out from the shelter and spoke to everyone. And the person actually came up to me that I reached out to on LinkedIn. I invited and they were like, you have nothing to be worried about because the shelters are going to respond to this once they see this. Mm -hmm. So I really, I really do advocate for overcoming fear through connecting with other people that can help you. And not even if they do something, they don't have to do anything, just simply, you know, guiding you or sending you to the right link or even connecting with you, you with another person has been super valuable for just overcoming it. And just remember why you're doing something. So if you're scared, you know, like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm starting boot camps for change. Think about the people that you're going to impact on the back end. So as a good side project, if you don't start, those youth aren't going to be impacted by you. So they might go on every week, you know, without having this community building events and this workout if I didn't start. Mm -hmm. So your fear should be like squashed by your many successes basically. So once you get started and you start doing well, just squash, squash it and just say, I look at all the things I've done and the people I've impacted. If I didn't start, they wouldn't have been impacted. So now I just have to continue going for sure. Yeah. I love that. It's um, kind of with the podcast, like every, I was telling um, someone that every single time that I think like, oh, who's really benefiting from this, like who's listening kind of thing is always when I'll get like a message from a random person just being like, thank you so much for your podcast. And like, thank you for bringing this out. And it's so true. Cause it's like the big picture, obviously, like it's not there yet, but this, the small little influences that you make and the, the lives that you touch, you just, you can't really put a price tag on that. And you just have to keep focusing on that to get you to the next step. Oh, hundred percent. And you know, everything, it can be scary, especially when you're going into unknown territory. I'm a little bit unique in the sense that I've never been scared of a challenge, but I'd say the fear that I actually had, had nothing to do with the successes of the events. It was, I hope the youth like me. The first time I did the, the workout, um, I've been able, I, I've been told I can connect very well with them because I, I come in and I get to know all of their names. So instead of just coming in and getting started, I like to get to know everyone's name and, you know, where they're from, how they're feeling that day. Do you have any injuries that I should know about before we get started? Really kind of warming them up and then always asking them at the end of the class if they can teach me something because they, the first time I did that, they looked at me like I had three heads. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, what do you mean you want us to teach you something? Uh, Because they've never had someone kind of come in for the outside from the outside and like think that they had, you know, a valuable skill to offer anyone else. So that was interesting. And that built their self-confidence. And then we talk about, 
as well, you know, what kind of helps you overcome your fear? We've, I've talked about this with youth before as well. And they find common ground amongst each other. And it's the funniest thing, like, because one of them will say something like, in order to overcome fear, I will write down all of my goals and all of my dreams. And then someone else will say, I do that too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so that's good. Of, it, it connects them. It connects them in a way. It's amazing. So overcome fear using your goals, micro success, for sure. Oh, that's Take the best. advantage of that. Yeah. That would yeah. be so cool to see, like just in front of your eyes, just being like, I, I'm, I'm doing this. This is neat. <laughs> Oh, 100%. And they find, when they find common ground amongst each other, uh, they really can, it can improve the shelter experience. They don't tolerate bullying or anything like that, but just developing better friendships. Why not? I mean, if it's going to be your situation, why would you not develop friendships while you're there? You might as well, you know, take advantage of the opportunity that you're with people that are your age and Although, you know, a lot of people come from a variety of different backgrounds and different situations, life situations, I do feel like the youth want to connect with each other just as much as they want to connect with like the peer workers, like Mm -hmm. the social workers and me, for example. So they do want to connect. Everyone does. Everyone craves it. (laughs) Everyone craves connection for sure. Learn from people. Don't be scared to call, reach out. I feel like that's like the number one, like number two things, number two things. <laughs> yeah. It's like two things, but like people are scared to reach out to people all the time. And I just think you just got to do it. You just got to do it. Well, do it. I think that it comes with like, um, like people are like, how do you get these people for your podcast? Um, but I do it for a living. Like as a producer for TV, I'm constantly calling people and just asking them weird questions. So it, I'm like, if I could do it for for t- like my job, then I can totally do it for my podcast. Like it's not a big deal for me to do that. But some people are so scared of it. I think because maybe they, maybe they don't like getting cold calls themselves personally. Cause I, I don't mind. Like I, and I've got, it's happened to me. My, the, my phone number, my personal phone number is on Blue Camp Change website. I'll have, I've had people call me before and say, Hey, I found your website. Can you just tell me a little bit more about what you do and how I can get involved? And, and it's cold. I don't know who they are. Yeah. It's literally, I, I, I pick up the phone and that's what they ask. So you'll so actually you know physically how... cold call because I cold email and then I'll be like, can we set up a call? Okay. Well, I like, I mean, if I had to choose, maybe this would create nerves for someone. It depends on their personality. I would recommend actually meeting them in person. Like that's what I like to do. But I, but never come unprepared, like because if you if you're meeting with someone in person, you should always have an agenda, and people are blown away when they meet with me in person and I send them a pre agenda. <laughs> so like, I've never had this in my life. I'm like meeting minutes, and I and I'm always like, let me know if you want me to add anything, and then I meet with them and they're like, you must be the most organized person because I've never experienced that, which is really funny. So what does this pre agenda look like? So you'll just be like, can we meet? And then I'm assuming this is for. Um, is this for sponsors that you would be like, want people to get behind boot camps for change? Yes. Or especially fitness instructors as well. Like, like to get them to volunteer in the shelters. Cause although I'd like to be 10 places at once, I can't be unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're doing this, you know, four to six times a week, uh, I'd love to do all of them, but you know, new school schedule has come up where I can't. So I have to get people on board. I, we do pay them or they can volunteer. depends on their preference. 
and how they would prefer to give back and use boot camps to change in that way. But I will do a little thing, like a little write-up. I say introduction. I write something about Blue Cancer Change. And then I say, ask Jeanette to volunteer. So they know why they're meeting me. Yeah. Because I'm asking them to volunteer. So it's not like they're blindsided. And then I find they're always way more interested and engaged when I do that. Yeah. Oh, and then, and then they have the opportunity to be like, you know, this isn't for me. Like if they have no heart and... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like it gives them the opportunity to to just say, you know what, this isn't this isn't for me right now. Um, and then not waste anyone's time. I like that. Oh, one hundred percent. And even if like you're if you're that's your ask, so like ask them to volunteer. Even if you just include a little bit more info about you there or like your company in there, I find like it gives them some time to maybe cook some thoughts. So that, you know, when they come, they can ask you direct specific questions. Mm-hmm. And that definitely helps because like starting from the beginning, explaining what blue cancer changes to everyone is okay, but everyone might have their own questions that they won't be able to think of on the spot. Like they can cook it up and say, oh, like I saw this one thing last night and this relates to this, or, hey, I had this one life experience. I wonder how... Um, this could be of use to her or whatever. Like, so it helps people cook their ideas pre-meeting, which I love. Mm-hmm, for sure. Half of it's in the pitch because I have like, so I'm working on this other thing that I'm doing, but I'm like, I don't know how to get people to be on board. Um, and I thought of just like hopping on a Skype because these people are like, I mean, people are all over the world, but, um, and just like, maybe I'll do that more and just like be more dedicated to hopping on a Skype with people and being like, this is, you know, or FaceTime, just being like, this is my goal. If you want to do it with me kind of thing. Oh yeah. And, um, what I, I I would definitely put this in too. And what I recommend is if anyone wants to talk to me about boot cancer change, I'm there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's in like Ajax or Mississauga or, you know, if it's, if it was in Asia and it was two in the morning, I'd probably set an alarm for it because like at the end of the day, that person, you guys might not talk again for a while or literally just like each other's stuff on social media. There's no return, quote unquote, return on investment. So say you buy someone a $10 lunch or whatever, $20 lunch. A lot of businesses are focused on their return on investment, but down the line, they might know someone who knows someone or they end up coming out to one of your events and telling all their friends about it and bringing four of their friends. So if you're just going in, like for the cause without a return investment in mind, obviously return on investment in mind, obviously, you know, you want to reach out to the right people. Mm-hmm. However, even just telling them what it is and what you do and then getting to know them as well. Uh, it's just, you never know how you can help them in other ways in life. Right. I say, maybe they're trying to get a new job and I say, Hey, I do resume, uh, resume editing and cover letter writing. And then they end up hiring you next year. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's so, smart. Yeah. So I, I would say meet with like I meet with every single person that reaches out to me that wants to meet. Like there's no, oh, I don't think they would be worth my time because I never know. I never know. And if they're interested, like I wanna I want people to know about it. And they might, even though they might not be able to help out directly, they might have a friend that does and then they they share that. So it's super awesome for sure. Yeah. Man, you are like 
on fire. Like, like you just have so I, much. I no, you have so much out today. I don't think I wanted to work out because because now this is my this is my nap. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm this learning so now. much from you because I'm just like you have just you're literally you just you don't really have um I mean you obviously have like fear and stuff like that, but you're just like you see the bigger picture and you're just like this is what it is and I don't give a shit like what people think. I'm just going to do it like and cuz I know what the greater good is. That's so important. When you're passionate, I, like for what you're doing, and there's definitely a cause in your business, I think it it is what drives you forward, and I think it does increase productivity amongst teams. And you know, as I become older and become a real adult and start, you know, working more full time rather than being in school, I definitely want to be still on the side with boot camps for change. Like I don't see myself stopping when I graduate. I don't see. I want to do my master's. Um, I don't see myself stopping at that time. Like I, I can see myself doing this for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not even on, not on the like back end maybe. So like maybe other people are running the events and doing all that kind of stuff. But I still want to be with the youth, like with the homeless youth and teaching the classes and seeing the impact of the program. Like you can advocate for Red Cross or Amnesty International. But like, unless you go to the actual natural disaster site, you don't understand how it drives your passion forward. When you when you see the programs that you're doing, I'm in a unique position because I am seeing, I'm literally teaching the fitness classes to the youth and I'm advocating for it on the back end. So I truly think that is why I'm so passionate about it because I've seen firsthand the impact that it's had not only on their fitness skills. So you know, they're improving their squats and their lunges their deadlifts, whatever it is we're doing, but it's improving their confidence as well. And that can bleed into every single area of their life. So that can be, now I have the confidence to go for that job interview, or now I have the confidence to learn that new skill. And that is the power of exercise. It makes you feel better physically, mentally, and that helps build your resilience. So those are our three pillars for a reason, because I've seen it firsthand and in the youth, but I've also seen it myself, 100. percent mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I yeah. also said, I love that you said when I become a when I'm becoming a real adult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really funny. I think about how what I thought about like 22 year olds when I was 15, and I was like, they were, they were so grown up and they had everything. You know, they have all their stuff together, but it's a journey, and there's nothing wrong with taking a few twists and turns around the way. When one door closes, 500 don't close. Mm-hmm. Like it is a true thing. When one door closes, another opens. I actually think when one door closes, 15 might open because that one door was maybe leading you down a defined path. But then when you close that and you're open to other opportunities, then 15 will open. But yeah, we can get into this all day. I actually think that's why people have more anxiety nowadays because of all the opportunities and they might not know whether they're taking the right path or not. So that can create anxiety. Whereas like 200 years ago, if your dad was a cobbler, you're a cobbler. Like yeah, a farmer, you're a farmer. Like there wasn't this element of choice, which I think everyone should have a choice of what they want to do in their life. But I do think having so many choices available, do I go to, and right now, kind of something that's coming up is, do I go to university or not? I do feel like a lot of people are becoming more entrepreneurial minded 
And I think in 20 years, it won't be, where are you going to university? It will be, are you going to university? I think there's going to be a flip in education for sure. And it's importance in terms of like the essential importance of life and like the check boxes and the check marks and um, the anxiety around not checking those uh, boxes for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that's a good way of putting it because I mean, it's amazing that there's so many opportunity out there. Um, but yeah, I could see how that'd be overwhelming because you you kind of want to make the right choice, but at the same time. But the best part is that you can change it so many times. Like I'm only twenty, I'm only twenty eight, and I've already changed my thought process probably like three times just just because I can. <laughs> Oh, 100%. So there's like both ends of the spectrum, right? So some people argue having the ability to change is amazing because, you know, probably, I don't know about your parents, but my parents uh, were in the same job for like 30 years, Mm -hmm. right? Because they thought that they couldn't, it was about job security, you know, and then they they have pension and, and they have all these other benefits. But then at the same time, it's on the other side, it may be a little bit more precarious, so the work might be a little bit more unstable, but at least you can kind of uh, follow your passion. I mean, and I'm also a huge advocate for a nine-to-five job, like maybe not doing what you love, but it creates the financial freedom to do what you love outside those uh, parameters, so outside nine-to-five. Like I'm a huge advocate, and I love seeing it when people work full-time, and then they also have like a side hustle, mm-hmm. especially when there's... Uh, like a charitable aspect within that side hustle. Like those people are amazing. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for tuning into the It's Not About You podcast this week. We're happy you popped by and we hope you feel totally broken open and expanded from this episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would be so much appreciated. See you guys next week. Love you guys. Bye.